Hey, what's up everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one. All you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the Department of Metahuman Affairs or DMA and check it out right now. Buzz, buzz, babies. We are back for another episode. And this week, I've got Marvel's new X-Men writer in the house. Whoa, baby. That's right. Steve Fox is here, and he is writing the new X-Men 92. Those cartoon lovelies just won't die. Marvel keeps bringing them back, and I am, I'm loving it. Uh, you, and, you know, he's uh, he's stepping into some, you know, tiny little shoes, retelling a story that Jonathan Hickman started. No big deal there. No no pressure. Steven, or Steve, I'm sorry, Steve Fox is with me. I just asked him if he wanted to be Steve or Steven, this is the power of editing. I'll cut this out. So I sound really smooth. Steve Fox is in the house tonight. Steve, how are you doing? I am sir? doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh man. I'm excited. How's it like, how's it feel like, I feel like obviously I would assume that you have a passion for the animated X-Men that we, most of us grew up with and adored. And, and now you're, you know, we're older and life is lame and our backs hurt and our knees hurt and, but you're getting a right X-Men. Like that's pretty rad, right? That's, that's gotta feel it, good. I, so I told Jordan White, my editor, I, obviously I would love to do more things for Marvel, but if, if this was the only thing, this was like the thing, you know what I mean? Like X-Men yeah. animated series, life-changing for me. It's really no understatement to say like I wouldn't be writing today if I had not seen that show and, and enjoyed the toy line and everything else um, of the X-Men in the early 90s. So when I got that email, it, it really was uh, a complete bucket list item. It's so crazy how there's this – well, I mean, we kind of talked earlier when, when we scheduled this. I, I finally went back and read the, the Secret Wars miniseries that kind of spawned it all and then the the 10 issue series which i bought because i'm obsessed with david nakayama's covers and so like i bought them for the covers and and then ended up like really enjoy like it, it you know for a, something that started as a tie-in it really found its own footing and had a really solid story and, and ended well i thought too um and and so now you're you're uh it's coming back and you know we we know that this x-men 97 is is on the horizon eventually um there's new x-men animated toys like these cell shaded action figures are coming out right now that look like they're packaged in vhs <laughs> cases so it's just like it's so interesting how this uh, i mean nostalgia always wins right <laughs> but this this group of of marvel characters just won't let go you know whether they're rebooted in the Krakoan age and everything's you know then now they're immortal and everything gets flipped you know all the stuff that jonathan hickman did but then we still are able to like find a niche for x-men the animated series and and you're you're making that happen man that's it's so cool and i'm so excited for people to experience this this first issue and how did how did you land this gig like how did like tell us the secrets <laughs> of getting hired at marvel well uh <laughs> the not so glamorous side of the secret is just writing many things over many years my first published writing was in 
2014. So it's been a, you know, a bit of a uh, crawl sounds negative, but it's been a bit of a a crawl, you know, to get there. However, Mm. the other aspect of it is that I actually interned for Marvel 10 years ago, um, which I got to meet a lot of the editors, including Jordan um, and a lot of editors who no longer work there. But uh, I stayed in touch with Jordan over the years. And a couple of years ago, I got the opportunity to do a Spider-Ham graphic novel at Scholastic as part of their partnership with Marvel. And Jordan read Spider-Ham. He got a real kick out of it. And he thought that I would be a good fit for this series. So it was, it was a little combination of, you know, knowing the right people, but also doing the work until I had uh, relevant work that would transfer over. Um, nice. And also, you know, it, I, it's kind of like the gig I've been training 30 years to do. <laughs> uh, I, I was a fan from such a young age and actually from Pride of the X-Men. So before I ever saw X-Men animated series, my first exposure was Pride of the X-Men, the pilot they produced um, for a different version of the show that didn't get picked up. Um, so that was like, that's honestly some of my earliest childhood memories is watching that VHS. That is funny because you're uh, uh, one of your cohorts, Steve Orlando, has been on my show, <laughs> and we t- we talked about. The... <laughs> he's the worst. He's so so charming, and he's like a, he's like a fucking chiseled out of marble, marble that marble. Please, but whatever, please, we're his, his ego talk. can't take this. <laughs> Uh, but we we talked about Rainbow Bridge, which which you guys released uh, from Aftershock a few months ago, and and I made the joke, and I kind of told you about this earlier. It was just like I've I've been really impressed with young, uh, like you know, uh, child fiction and all ages comics and stuff. But I just feel I feel like they all make me cry, <laughs> and I'm like I'm like I'm this old man, and I'm like overwhelmed by emotion, and these are and these are like made for like kids, and I'm like are they just they're just haven't been burdened and broken by life yet so like the feels just don't hit them as hard maybe i don't know but um but he told me about that uh about that x-men show i'd never heard of it before and he was like talking about it and i was like i was like steve what the hell are you talking about man and he was like oh dude i'll send you the link you can watch it on youtube and i was like whoa this is like it's i mean i like to think i know a thing or two about comic books and nerd stuff and and x-men you know because i've experienced I've, i've read them almost my whole life and and uh, that just totally slipped my radar. So it's funny you brought that up. It's uh, I recently just found out about that a couple yeah, months. Yeah, and actually, a lot of the people who worked on Pride of the X Men went on to do X Men animated series. Uh, it was just kind of a, a hop, skip, and a jump in in tone and look and a- attitude and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, they've done a couple of great books about X Men animated series, like the making of. And they, they, yeah, they're yeah, really they're fantastic. Cool. And the I have the coffee table one with all the animation art, and they talk in there about how uh, Stan Lee had more of an influence on Pride of the X Men, so it had kind of more like the you know uh, overbearing uh, narration and all that. So that's kind of what they moved away from to do X Men animated series. But Pride of the X Men is still so cool, and and getting to see like Emma Frost in action and Dazzler in action, and some characters that didn't end up playing a big role in X Men animated series i i think that one two punch was was really impactful for me as a kid nice yeah emma emma makes me puts me through the ringer too like anything she's involved with i'm just like she's like this wonderful ice queen (laughs) and just she just commands every panel right i mean like yeah she's curvaceous and gorgeous and always like scantily clad right but she has so much agency and in in the new hickman era how she kind of like took kate under her wing and and changed kate or didn't change her but like influenced her and 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 you watch these 
you watch these characters evolve, right? And, and it's just very cool. It's a very interesting time to be an X-Men fan unless you're poor because there's like a million fucking X-Men. And I used to be on an X-Men podcast. Shout out to X's for podcasts. Great group of people. I used to roll with them on Sundays. And so I was, I was buying all these issues, right? Cause every Sunday you'd be on a different room covering a different issue. And I, I finally, man, I, I just, I, I fell behind and then I fell behind financially. And then I was like, I can't, I can't like, I'm going to, but now they're putting out those fancy oversized hardcovers. And I was like, okay, that's, I can do that. <laughs> I could get one of those every couple months maybe. So, but I, I love this. I love the new Krakoan age. It's so interesting. The, the whole deal of, of the immortal X-Men, right. And, and the costs and the privileges of that and, and how that plays into these new narratives. And you have taken that and you've manipulated it yourself. Like I, I, I posted a, a review for this today and I, and I mentioned that like, you know, you're walking on the foundation that Hickman built, but you're not in the same house, yeah. you know, like you're remodeling, you're remodeling the structure. And I, I'm so impressed with it. And also like, how like did you just lose weight sweating <laughs> like over like over the keyboard just like like oh my god how do how do i take a hickman thing and make it better or make it my own or make it different like i that's like no easy challenge yeah there. i think like, i, I kind of just had to disassociate and like and it's funny too because I'm, I'm good friends with um teeny howard who writes um X, uh, knights of yeah, X and excalibur and yeah, oh, yeah. Score. and um she she was like, "Do you think Hickman's read this?" And I was like, "I I sure hope not. <laughs> like, I don't want to know. Like, <laughs> let, let's respect each other from a distance." Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I'm such a big fan of the current era, and that's really why this gig was such a dream for me. Is that I, it, it's me synthesizing kind of like four pillars of X Men, right? The, the animated series the Krakoan era, also the, the 90s books themselves that the, the animated series was largely based on, and also kind of like lunchboxes and toys and t-shirts. Like the like you were talking about earlier, there's this nostalgic, um, it almost rose-tinted glasses version of the X-Men that you think of when in your head when someone says X-Men. Uh, and that's really the, mm -hmm. the feeling I wanted to capture on the page was like, these are the X-Men from your lunchbox, from your t-shirt, from your underwear, jumping off and having an adventure in their version of the Krakoan premise, which I had to take, uh, I'm sure there have now been well over 100 issues total of the Krakoan era and make that work in five issues, <laughs> 100 yeah. pages. <laughs> and I saw, I saw like, I was, cause I was looking at the solicits cause the up to three is yes. solicited and three the solicit mentioned like x of swords and i was like uh so i'm just i'm super stoked to see where you go and i'm also kind of hoping because i i've seen marvel do this before and we and i've kind of see it in the, the x-men 92 line that started in secret wars like i really hope it sells because i would really like this to kind of stay alive hey, me too <laughs> uh, I, and get more of it yeah right you're like yeah i would i would love to keep my job like that, like, yes. <laughs> Um, when like, so you, you mentioned that you've been an X-Men fan, like as a, as a kid, uh, and, and we both talked about, you know, this, the power of that animated series. And I remember, uh, like the, when pizza hut oh, yeah. did like all the X-Men promotion stuff, I used to have those, like those VHS tapes that, that they had. And there was like two or three episodes on each one. And they had like the cool red and gold yep. foil, like black cases like, with dude, red foil. I, I've got all of them. Yeah. I had those in my backpack everywhere <laughs> I went. 
and like just in case like after school if you ended up at a friend's house and and like we would watch like we watched these same four episodes like over and over and over and it never got nope. old and and like it's it's so interesting to me how that because i do a lot of work with indie comics now and and kickstarter stuff and, but i still man i i'm i'm buying all these chris claremont omnibuses uh that i that i can i'm trying to get this whole set and i don't know when i'm gonna have time to read them i tell everyone i'm buying for my retirement <laughs> you know like but i have like thousands of pages ready to go and it's it's so interesting um and i and i'm so far away from getting to like the claremont jim lee era which was my exposure to x-men comics because i could buy them at 7-eleven the gas stations and stuff um were what what was like what was your like crucial like x moment when when like you were younger that you still go back to and you're like this is me this is like in my soul now so i mean it's not the most fondly remembered era but the time where i started buying every single issue was uh when claremont was back and lino francis Yu was drawing it um alan davis was finishing stuff up with terry cavanaugh scripting over him um like the tail end of like the joe kelly era so I kind of I jokingly call that like the lost era because for whatever reason like we haven't really hit the nostalgia for that yet or slash we kind of skipped that era um but that was when I started buying every comic like religiously which led directly into New X-Men from Morrison and Quitely which is probably like the the biggest mm-hmm. single awakening I've ever had um as far as like my readership goes because one that just blew my mind as a preteen that you know it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen everyone was in black leather now it was like just cutting edge um I took the Emma Frost cover to school for show and tell in 6th grade like for some reason, none, you know, my teacher did not think it was weird that I brought in, you know, Emma with her like, <laughs> uh, you know, visible everything. Um, and that that just blew my mind. And it also led directly into my love of Vertigo because I followed Morrison into all the other books they had done and and the other stuff Frank Quitely illustrated. So that's kind of like the turning point for me. But I had already been reading the comics regularly before that. And it was such a wild era to jump into with like the 12 and everything else going on. But I think it, it speaks yeah. to like when you're a kid, at least in the pre everything is online era, you do just kind of jump in, you make sense of it as you go. And that era often had fold out covers that would like intro you to the main characters and tell you a little bit about what was going on. Like I remember I loved Alpha Flight at the time with that whole cast that doesn't even exist anymore like radius <laughs> and, and um who the heck knows all their names but um that, that was like really instrumental for me that's awesome so i didn't get in like hardcore hardcore into into marvel stuff until older me started getting back into collecting and stuff and but i remember like so not to like you know bring up the enemy but like grant morrison's batman run uh that that's when i first started like collecting whole runs and and like I, i'm like a hardcover snob <laughs> now and i love hardcovers and so i i will i will try to get like the fancy hardcovers even if like they're just stupid money uh because i'm just silly and so i'm like buying this this grant morrison bat saga and then i you know found myself obsessed with damian wayne and, and and this whole thing just blew my fucking mind right and then it was after that when i found out that i got into grant morrison right because you 
that's how I think you should experience comics. If you if you read a comic that you really like, you know, you should try and experience other things that the writer and the artist have done, not necessarily, you know, follow only the X-Men or only the Avengers or only Batman. You should kind of, you know, sniff around into what your favorite creators do. And so I started looking into Grant's other stuff and found out he wrote the X-Men. And I was like, what? And I read that. And dude, I was just like, <laughs> what is this? This is insane. Uh, this is not the X-Men 92. This is not your Saturday morning cartoon, right? And and I loved it. And it's and you know, Grant is is just so prolific and, and intense and just really uh shines in in you know graphic storytelling and really he's you know he's one of those creators that like he looks out with the artists that he gets to because he's like top tier right he can get whoever he wants and anybody will be excited to work with him but you know he, he his books really show you or i guess they're i'm using the wrong pronouns I'm, uh, but their books like it really show you what comic books yes. can do, you know? Uh, and um, I, I, I just, you know, it, it, get, it gets like a different excitement and it, and it, you know, it, I like it when there's layers and things are deep and it, you know, when you, cause there's still, we've almost gotten totally over the hurdle, but there's still people that are like, Oh, comic books are literature. <laughs> and to, I, to them, I, I fuck you. I say, cause that is wrong. And they are literature. And it, you know, it, it, the older crowds that read comics, you know, everybody gets busy. You quit reading or, you know, like, or you read, you doom scroll and you, and you read, you know, little buy this for your kitchen articles. And that's how people read. Right. And then young kids, you know, like they want to, do TikTok and play video games. So like, it's a blessing when people read any kind of book, like, well, to an extent, <laughs> almost any kind stuff of book. Out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, so it's just, and so I, I love comic books for that. And you know, I, you know, I love, that's one of the cool things about X-Men is that there are um, elements to pull in younger readers and older readers and, you know, just play with nostalgia, play with intrigue. And that's one of the interesting things I thought about XC2 uh, is that it's this juxtaposition of this nostalgic animated X-Men imagery that is just gorgeous. Every fucking panel of that book is maddeningly gorgeous and, and vibrant and bright, but it's not, it's not, to you don't tone it down really. Like it's, it's got, it's, there's like this dark mystery, like, you know, like in the other Krakoan books, like Xavier doesn't really feel like he can be trusted. He's got this, like he's playing, he's got secrets with his soldiers. Right. And, and there's this, there's a darkness and, and people are dying even if they're brought back uh, i did love that they come out of their age yeah, fully we... <laughs> that fucking killed me dude i love jordan that. and i uh came up with that on our first phone call we we're like of course they would have to come out fully fully clothed in their costumes <laughs> it's funny yeah so the thing about the x-men animated series in the 90s is that sure you know it ran on tv for kids but it wasn't dumbed down like you know the the opening mm. two-parter a character dies and i think for a lot yeah. of kids my age that was probably the first time we saw a cartoon character die and then you know of course he came back later but as far as we knew for a couple seasons <laughs> morph was dead and that i think kicked off the tone of of how the animated series was going to conduct itself and not only that but um I, I said this to someone else the thing about the x-men comics is that when you kind of take a step back one of the first things you would describe about them is the whole um hated and feared aspect and sure, yes, that's that's almost always present. But if you read like the long arc of the X-Men, there are big swaths of time that are not super concerned with the mutant metaphor. Like it's all about clones, it's about space, it's about limbo, it's you know, other stuff happens. 
the animated series mm-hmm. was really good about keeping that foregrounded. So you're kind of constantly confronting the idea that these people are heroes, but the world at large thinks they are bad because of the way they were born, which is a very potent metaphor to give to kids. Um, and, yeah. you know, I can say like as a young gay kid, like that resonated with me. Like these characters are born a certain way and it affects the way they move through the world. So when I sat down to write House of 92, it, it is that that balancing act of like you want to evoke the sense of the cartoon. But I'm also aware that the main readership for this are people like you and me <laughs> who remember the, the cartoon <laughs> from our childhood. It's like this is not necessarily going to be a book that uh, a bunch of nine year olds are picking up. <laughs> I love it. And, you know, (laughs) hopefully they enjoy it if they do. But it is, you know, it's nostalgia. It's anniversary. It's all that. So I didn't want to speak down to anybody. But I there are moments where like we try to make sure we keep it uh, at least PG. You know, no no one's going to be swearing and growling and the the more violent deaths are mostly off screen. But uh, it's fun to kind of balance that. And especially with something like the Krakoan era where, you know, Hickman and and Jerry Dugan and Teeny and and, um, Ben and everyone else like a lot of very heady ideas a lot of very forward-thinking progressive sci-fi so to try to figure out how you would translate that to a saturday morning cartoon was a a lot of the fun in putting this together i feel really really dumb right now because one of my things i was going to ask you was was what is up with xc2 (laughs) and it's fucking roman numerals oh my god like that's that that's that private school education (laughs) that that really paid off for me you can tell oh my god okay well that's, that's I included cool. that. I, yeah, I did not. I did not put that together. I put that man. on the pitch, and and I had no idea it was going to actually end up the the miniseries subtitle until I saw the first cover. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, you guys kept it." <laughs> it's funny. So, like, when I remember when Disney Plus first came out, right, and 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 we had oh, well, I can't remember what it wasn't. It was it wasn't Mandalorian. That wasn't the first. No, I think well, that was, was their first big Whatever, show. Yeah, that, that that was their first big deal. And then we were waiting for the Marvel stuff, right? And so I was like, what the? Why am I paying for this? I mean, it's only eight bucks a month, right? So it's not like it's not like I'm I'm eating cardboard because I can't afford to live. <laughs> you got you got to get that seven ninety nine bundle. Yeah, go. I got it now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but th- th- I was like, I was like, man, well, what am like? I'm just waiting for new stuff. And then I was like. I was like, oh, I haven't watched the X-Men in a long time. And I started watching that. And so for a very long time between Mandalorian and Wanda, uh, like I was ju- I was watching Gargoyles <laughs> and uh, and and X-Men in the old X-Men cartoon. And Gargoyles, by the way, is shockingly oh, dark. Yeah. Like I was watching that and I was like, this is intense. Like I kid me doesn't remember that. And then oddly enough, now like NECA's putting out like those amazing new Gargoyles yes. figures. So there's like so much stuff. Like it just won't. <laughs> die which is awesome i mean it's such a weird time to be a nerd right now right because there's there's so there's too much content overwhelming amount we we are yeah like like what do you even do with it and and we read comics too and you write them so like (laughs) and i have and i i do reviews and stuff and and prep for these shows and so like i have to be careful with like you know i can very easily like screw myself over by watching like like oh i I stayed up till two o'clock in the morning watching a show and didn't read this book and i have to interview this guy tomorrow or something right you know like and then old 36 year old me has to 
get up earlier in the morning after going to bed at two o'clock to read this book before work. So I can interview this guy at night and I make it happen. But like, I'm like, man, like you can take the kid out of grad school, but you can't, like, I did, this, I did the same shit. I would be like, you know, like, Oh, I'll read this. I'll read this book later. And, and I'll, I'll write this short. I was, I was an MFA kid. And so like, I would always like my short stories and stuff, man, it would be like a couple days before my workshop was due. And I was like, well, I guess I got to write something. I was just like, I can't not do that. Like still, like I never, I can't learn my, from my lessons, but yeah. So it's, I have to be careful with um, the stuff I watch. And it's also weird. Cause like I should watch a lot of this stuff to like cover it and write about it on the blog and, and talk about it and all this stuff. So it's, 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 it, I love it, but it's, I get lost sometimes, man. Cause it's like, it's, it's like the old days of Netflix when, when you spend 45 minutes scrolling <laughs> through Netflix, not sure what to watch. I dude, I can do that. I sit on my chair and I like, I, I I buy too many books, right? Now I'm into manga too, right? And and I just like I just look at all this stuff and I'm like, I don't even know what I want to read. I don't even know what to do. It's like paralyzing, you know? Yeah, my, my boyfriend and I have a, a policy now where like we cannot scroll on on any of those apps together. Like one must present the other with a movie or a television show ahead of time. Because otherwise there goes oh, your night genius. just looking through friggin' Netflix. <laughs> but I feel you a couple so a couple of years ago I took on, in addition to like all the books I keep up with regularly, I started reading the entire X-Men line chronologically from Giant Size. So every Whoa. single comic, every single appearance, every single tie-in miniseries. And actually, uh, it, it worked out very serendipitously that I got to 1992 right when Jordan contacted me about X-Men 92. So I had truly what? like, I was in the middle of Executioner song and I was like, hey, do you want to write this? I was like, it's all been leading to this. <laughs> wow. Like, yeah, man, that's like the most, the stars have aligned story ever. It's that's so, so much cool. extra, that's extra so work cool. at, at, by the time you get to the 90s though, because you're like cross-referencing like, okay, this spin off this mini series okay wolverine's got 35 ogns we're gonna just yeah it's all fun but uh, that, a lot to keep up with <laughs> that's why i i'm digging and I'm, i try to buy i love marvel mm -hmm. omnibuses and my friends give me shit because i buy them and and they're expensive you know but when there's you know you can buy them from like the retail sites like you know or pre-order them and they're and get them way undercover and that's i know that's, i'm probably sinning by saying this <laughs> but like i still buy comics from comic shops that's and, the important part. and i even have a, yeah yeah and and i i the, i there's a comic shop that advertises on my podcast so like i'm i'm helping the local <laughs> comic book scene still so i'm like i can cheat a little bit and buy these cheaper omnibuses but i also pay for marvel <laughs> unlimited i i pay for i pay for marvel unlimited i pay for comiXology and i pay for uh the dc universe but it's now i know this sounds crazy because i already have too much to read but in listeners 25 it's like 26 26 a month okay which uh, hbo is 15 a month right uh you know like there's uh hulu and the Hulu package with Disney plus and ESPN is 20. All right. So $24 or $26 a month. Isn't a crazy no, cost. Like five, five when Starbucks you look at like, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but it's tens of thousands of comics like on you, any, anywhere you have a cell phone connection or a Wi-Fi connection. And it's, uh, it really helps me when I research, uh, you know, like 
researching events or new comics or going back or you know uh, researching writers and artists you know like it's 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 so beneficial so like i can't not pay for these services uh and and so yeah that's that's my deal i'm just really good at spending money <laughs> like i don't like, i just like i i'm obsessed with comic books and then i started this podcast and stuff and then and then you start all that right and you you start it cheap right like some people are like i just record on my cell phone and i'm like yeah then you listen to it you sound like an echoey <laughs> dog shit and it's like how am i gonna ask people to listen like hey listen to me like <laughs> you know like no one wants to hear that so you know then you start like you get like new microphones and you get nicer cables and you get so you know just uh it's a it's a venture uh but it's very rewarding and again like uh and i i mentioned this on twitter today i didn't i had a kind of rough day i we i have a sick dog um and that we we've talked about that uh privately and and um and my my dad had open heart surgery like eight years ago and he's got an irregular heartbeat now and so everybody's freaked out about that uh and it's just like shit kind of builds up sometimes you know and then and then you have like a shitty day at the day job but then like at seven o'clock when i timed out i was like i was like you know what i get to talk to an x-men writer tonight <laughs> about a really great new x-men comic and like dude so many people don't have that so many people like you have a bad day and you and you carry that with you and you go to bed angry and i try so hard never to do that because that's like you know you then you wake up weird right and and so it's so cool like these instances where I kind of have two full-time jobs. One of them doesn't really pay, but like, you know, the emotional gratification, just like today, it was like, man, I'm, I got off work and instead of just being like, oh, fuck everything, I was like, I'm excited. And so, and yeah, so I just, you know, thank you uh, also for, you know, agreeing to come on the say, show. I hope I can and you made me feel cool. live up to boost in the moon. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, man, this, this is great. And, and I am so excited for people to, exp and I, I really hope that uh, that the hardcore X-Men people, well, I know the hardcore X-Men guys who pick up all the comics, guys and gals and, 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 and everybody is, is going to, is going to pick up your book because it, that, that completionist, right? Hopefully. Like the voices will get mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't buy all the X-Men comics, but I really, really hope, uh, and, and if you listen to this and you didn't pick it up on Wednesday, yeah, like put it on your poll. Um, you know, we're, we're already seeing in November, Marvel's going to put out a complete collection of X-Men 92 of the original 14 issues that, the, that spun out of secret wars. Marvel is very, uh, keen to reprint and, and revitalize this, you know, portion of our childhoods. And, you know, I, I, I'm really hoping that if the, if the sales and the numbers are there and people are excited about it, I, I want more of it. I, I love it. It's, I just love like the art. Um, I, I pulled this up. So, so Salva Espin and Israel Silva, like what a team, yeah. uh, these pages are so beautiful. And one of my, the biggest, like that got me is the, the, how the, the Hickman yeah. data pages have resurfaced. Okay. And so like these data pages where they were once like really intense graphs that just like made my brain melt. And I was like, sometimes like, I'm not smart enough to read this comic. Like, what does this mean? And instead, like we have, it, it reminds me of the save by the bell, like opening credit, open and ending credits and like trapper keeper designs of like the eighties and nineties. And so it's these, these wonderful arts and these like goofy little tidbits and like laffy taffy jokes and stuff. And it's just like, dude, that blew my Wait, mind. That's, that's I, how like, I, I fell in love with jokes that. is laffy taffy quality. <laughs> oh, <nice. laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I was so blown away. So I proposed that idea to, to Marvel and, and I also said, I was like, look, I get if, 
you know, scheduling wise, like effort wise, it, it's just got to be black text on a white page. I totally understand. But I think it'd be fun if we did this and went for like full save by the bell and the design team turned those around and my mind was blown, like jaw dropped as, as fun as, as it is to see every page come in of art. And I definitely want to talk more about Salva and Israel. Seeing that design page was like the funniest, most fulfilling moment. And <laughs> each each issue, the, the design pages are different. So it's not just going to be this like saved by the bell feeling like next issue. They're totally different formats, three, four, five. Like it's each one is paying homage to like a different vintage look and feel um oh that's also, right I, I like just physically hurt myself by calling the 90s vintage but uh, uh you know uh, nostalgic <laughs> 90s nostalgic um look and feel and and i'm really grateful that the design team took that extra step to do those because i do think that they uh, it offers a lot of fun because that, that's a perfect example of something that works so well and is such a great addition to the current era but would make no sense in 1992 like we wouldn't have seen graphs mm. and really smart um, you know, forward thinking design like that, it would be kind of zany and wild. So I'm, I'm glad that we got to have that fun with it. But yeah, Salva, Salva yeah. and Israel um, are such an amazing team for this book. And Salva was our first choice. Um, he's done a lot of Deadpool books and he's done some other X projects in the past. And he's such a chameleon. And so he moved his style a little more animated. But what I love is that it's still kind of its own distinct look. Like he's not just aping the animated series. Uh, another big influence for him was the Capcom games from the 90s, like Children of the Atom and Marvel versus Capcom, um, which you'll really see in issue three, the X of Swords issue. Um, but it's, it's been great to see him depict all these characters. And yesterday I went through and, and counted. And by the end of the book, he will have drawn and put his spin on over 150 characters from the Marvel Universe. That's I know. Crazy. I feel guilty, but also really excited. <laughs> in, in all these cameos and all these background characters, getting to see everyone filtered through Salva's style and getting to see his his acting and his his action expressions for all these characters has just been so fun and so rewarding. Um, and... Well, yeah, so I guess we can talk about the fact that, um, you know, Jubilee plays an extra special role in, in this series. And um, issue two is going to show some of her past lives. And um, Salva actually had a baby during the process of, of um, doing this book. And there's a picture of like baby Jubilee, which is, is drawn a bit like his child. Like when he saw that, when he saw it colored, oh, that's so cool. like, oh, this looks like my baby. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> so great. But he, he's just been such a perfect partner and, and Israel's great. And Joe Sabino on letters. Like we got very lucky um, with the full creative team. Yeah, you have yeah. a great team. You have a great team making a very beautiful book. Um, one of my, one of my favorite part, just opening, uh, just starting it off uh, the, the weird little, uh, um, elements, the the kind of like uh, army green uh, space armor parts that they had on top yeah. of their you know iconic uniforms. I love that. I was like, okay. I was like, I'm I'm in it. I'm in it to win it already. <laughs> um, I love how you start so rooted in in that Hickman story, uh, and then after a few pages, you realize like you're not following that road anymore. Uh, and I thought just like structurally that ish, that first issue is so good where you, you drop us in this story that we're pretty comfortable with that we know about already. Um, it just looks a little different. Right. And then, but then once, and you even go with like the team, the team dies and is resurrected. And basically like after that, everything changes. Um, and, and you really start, 
you know, making it your own. And it, like you've, you, it, this is the, this is the Fox Krakone age, <laughs> not the Hickman Krakone age. Right. And, and we are totally and then, yeah, exact like, equals. No, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Mr. Hickman. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean like you are a very strong writer and it, it's, it's structured and it's paced so well. And yes, it's very beautiful. And, but I mean, you still had to script that out. You still had to kind of, you know, put the weight of the story onto your own shoulders and, and brainstorm how to retell it. Right. And so I was interested. I didn't know when they start talking about the, the, she who's missing and they're like, I wish she was here too. And I was like, I didn't see Kate either. And I know Wolverine and Kate are also close, but then to like, and I was like, Oh, it's Jubilee. And I was like, weird. Like, you know, and then I kind of was wondering, cause you know, Jubilee has been a vampire and all this weird <laughs> shit, all this weird shit happened with Jubilee. And, and I was like, is that why I was like, why can't Jubilee come back? And then, but again, like the, 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 the echoes that you're toying with uh, how like Kate couldn't come back for a while, which was totally different, but like, like just there, you know, you're you're using these these big stepping stones of of the uh, of the Krakoan saga and and manipulating them in really wonderful ways. But then, yeah, that that turn at the end, man, when when Jubilee is uh, still alive and like hidden in the secret like college dormitory <laughs> cellar safe thing, and and I was like, what? And and I love I love how like everyone's making Professor X shady because like he's just. <laughs> And and, he, and uh, the more the X-Men I read, the more I, I realize he's he's not like this, like golden boy, you know, peace, love and harmony guy, you know, like he he has an agenda and and he's he, he, he keeps secrets and and he's manipulated his children numerous times uh, since the beginning. Uh, but, yeah, I, I just I loved it. And and it, there's this like woven darkness into that into this first issue. Like so much happens in one issue and they didn't, I mean, they didn't really give you any extra pages or anything. Like you have a normal sized <laughs> first issue and, and, and it's, and it, nothing feels rushed and it, it's paced very well and structured impeccably. And like, it just, it just rocked my socks, dude. Like it, it was so good. And, and it, it's as, it's as good. It, it deserves to be on the shelves next to every other X-Men book out right now. And like, I really hope, you know that because it was a phenomenal first issue and i'm i'm unless you just really shit the bed <laughs> like on the second one i don't know but like i feel like i feel like when you come out that strong like i feel like the other ones are gonna are gonna be pretty well thank you very much too. that's very kind of you to say and yeah i mean it's just so fun to do and i'm also lucky because like you know hickman could not have put that much information in the first issue because people would have been uh it, all more dizzy than they already were, right? It, I mean, it's a big change. <laughs> so I am getting to build off of the fact that we're almost three years into the Krakoan era. People understand the broad strokes of it, even if they're not following the books. So that allows me mm -hmm. to move a little faster through the plot. Um, but yeah, I mean, when when we first started talking about this book, I knew as a reader, it had to be different or else what was the point? Like if it was just retold, but with you know a slightly different cast and with the 90s costumes that's not really worth your money for five issues you know aside from like the art okay. great and everything else like it needs to offer something different and that's why it's really you know it's kind of a what if story in in everything but name um and the previous series was great about this too because uh you know chad and chris and um scott and the, the other people who worked on um the 2015 book you know, they adapted the Cassandra Nova story, but they went in a very different direction with it. And, you know, we end up yeah. with Onslaught and everything else going on. So that's really what I wanted to do here was take what we know and what we like about Krakoa 
condense it, but also, uh, you know, have fun with that butterfly effect of, okay, if you replace Moira and you replace the main characters that you're seeing this world through, what kind of things start changing? And and each issue, um, I feel like gets wilder and wilder where, where I get to pull in more and more elements. And I had a lot of fun um, playing with, I don't want to spoil anything, but playing with a few toys that the Krakoan era hasn't so far. Um, so I, I got to have fun kind of pulling in unexpected twists and turns as we go along. Cause I, I wanted it to be worth nice. the time and, and the investment. If you're, if you're going to read this, you need to get something more than a, a cliff notes version of the Krakoan era out of it. Yeah. It's, it's very much your own and a new story that is, is standing that the first issue stands on its own. Like it's great. And you're, um, yeah, I was lucky enough. I, I, cause I don't usually get more, I, you know, I'm on like images, press lists and stuff, but like, I don't get, I, I'm not big boy enough to get like Marvel and DC stuff. So like what you gave me that reader copy and I was like, Ooh, I was like, Ooh, I get to like, I'm going to review a Marvel comic. But then I was looking and like, um, AIPT and, uh, uh, someone else, you're getting great reviews. Like, yeah, it was a really, it. I try not to, um, like, you don't want to pay too much attention to that cause it can get in your head and, and even though I've, mm. I've published, you know, hundreds of pages over the last decade, um, this is actually technically my first solo monthly comic. I've mostly done graphic novels or anthologies. Oh, wow. So my very first comic that is front to back me and like a 22 page comic is X-Men 92, which is really wild. Um, and so I, I was kind of dreading the like comic book roundup of it all. Uh, and it was a really nice relief to see that the, the first four or five reviews out of the gate understood what we were going for and, and took the book on its own terms and had fun with it. Cause it is a fun thing. You know, whenever you have something get tweeted by like the Marvel account, you get the full range of responses, whether you want, whether you want to see it or not. And, um, I realized that my book sits at a really funny intersection because the people who just hate the Krakoa era hate that it's infecting their 1992. And the people who don't like nostalgia hate that this is nostalgic. And the people who like nostalgia are like, who the heck is this guy? <laughs> like, He wasn't writing X-Men books 30 years ago. Why is he doing it? So there are lots of ways you, you know, lots of angles you could come at it in bad faith, but I'm glad that so far most people seem to be taking it in the spirit in which it was intended, which is really a, a love letter and a fun what if story and and a chance to just look at this big expansive era from a, a different angle. I'm also really glad they didn't put that what if on the title. I am not a huge fan of, I haven't, I haven't even watched the animated series yet. Like I just, that was, that was one of the deals that I just, I'm not a big what mm. if guy. I don't. You know, like, what if we just read the real <laughs> stories and now we're, you know, like, but I, and I respect that, like a lot of cool stuff happens, but like, you know, I, I, I for me, and I, I'm sure other people too, like the, the what if line is very, another very niche comic and it has, it's, it has a large group of fans, but there's also a lot of people that are like, you know, like may pass it off just because of that. What if yeah. tag on and the I cover. Love what if, and I um, love um, else worlds when DC did those, but uh, I, I think you're right. And it's also that um, it's not just like, what ifs usually hinge on like changing one thing. And yes, we, we swap mm -hmm. out who, who fulfills the Moira role, but uh, you know, there are lots of small changes kind of reverberating throughout. So I don't think you couldn't easily sum this up. Like what if this, 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 and this were different. <laughs> Uh, which is not, not as catchy yeah. as the title. <laughs> what? So I got, I got two, there, there were two big differences. Well, there were more than two, but like the first big difference I noticed was I kind of like how you left Nimrod out of it. And, and the, 
the the space stations and stuff are like just the old school like kind of goofy looking rounded weird <laughs> hat wearing sentinels i love that uh and and also like i thought i, I really um the deal with jubilee man really made me think and, and i and i i mean like wanting i reread the comic you know partly because i knew i was going to interview you and wanted to sound smart also partly because i just enjoyed it <laughs> so much i wanted to read it again and i was thinking and i kept i was like man why jubilee and then i thought about it and i was like man she is a centrific force like she's you know thinking especially in the animated series that first episode they find her at the mall the sentinels attack the mall it's crazy you know and then she's got this attitude she's punk rock you know she's got the april <laughs> o'neill jacket and like i love that her relationship with wolverine is so cool and and wolverine is such a centrific force of the x-men like so it, it's funny how you don't really think how involved she is until you realize like all the elements of the x-men world that touch upon jubilee's character and then like you know and then she has the bait in the in the new era she's got the baby and shogo <laughs> and and the craziness from excalibur when he turns into a dragon and like she she was a vampire <laughs> and, like all this crazy stuff that like that happens to jubilee and, and so like was was it always jubilee or did you have like a list of characters of replacing moira and like and you kind of had to think about it or was it always so her let me choose this response carefully. <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> always Jubilee, but Jordan okay. and I talked through a number of options. And once we landed on Jubilee for sure, I, I couldn't imagine doing it a different way. And it's it's for a lot of the reasons you just talked about. Specifically, you know, the X-Men, and I think this is the reason a lot of people from the 80s and 90s have such a strong attachment to the X-Men. More than any other superhero team, the X-Men have almost always had a younger point of view character. Whether it's Kitty, Jubilee, Armor, Mero, Pixie, you know, whichever girl uh, Wolverine's hanging out with, <laughs> there's almost <laughs> always this younger point of view introduction character into this uh, world of adult drama. And that's not something that you see regularly with the Avengers or Justice League or any of the other teams. That's very unique to the X-Men. Jubilee also is so attached to her era. You know, Kitty Kitty is a concept that that grows and changes quite a bit. And, you know, mm -hmm. she, she's gotten to grow up. She's Kate now. Um, she's grown a lot as a character. It's been one of my favorite arcs to see over the past, you know, 40 years of her existence. But Jubilee, because she hit when she did, because she spoke the way she did, because the way she dressed the way she did, she's kind of had a hard time shaking the 90s as a character trait. Um, and she was actually created when I was in 89. She's an 80s baby. <laughs> um, but she she's so glued to the 90s in a lot of ways. And I think also because she didn't play as prominent of a role in the early 2000s, she kind of faded away for a while. So when we're talking about what is emblematic of X-Men 92, what is specific to X-Men 92, Jubilee being at the forefront, cracking her jokes, making her, her references, having her attitude, like that is X-Men 92 in a lot of ways. Um, and I also wanted a power set that made sense, and we'll get into it more in the second issue, but uh, you know, her powers as far as anyone knows are fireworks but what are fireworks if not a little bang and what is a reality reset if not a big bang so it, she had a power set that i could adapt in the same way that that hickman used moira's powers 
um, in a way that would make sense. And so I promise if you read issue one and you're like, this is ridiculous, I have no idea why you would choose Jubilee, issue two will explain a lot more of that. Um, but also just because she's fun. Like she she identifies <laughs> the 90s for a lot of readers and she's a fun character to write. And one of the really um, clever things about X-Men animated series is they adapted storylines from all across the X-Men history from the, you know, the 60s through to the 90s. Um, but they always made space for characters like Gambit and Bishop and Cable who didn't exist for a lot of those stories, but play much bigger roles because that's the cartoon. So we knew that it couldn't be Moira because even though she appeared on the cartoon, she played such a minor role. It, it would not make sense and it wouldn't feel fun and distinct if it was just Moira, but in her like yellow jumpsuit. <laughs> like we had to do something, something <laughs> a little more unique and something a little more um, eye catching. Yeah, if anybody reads this issue and and like talk shit about that choice of Jubilee, you send them to me, <laughs> sir. And I'm going to set them straight because not one time did I have that like, this is ridiculous. This is too silly. All it did was like, yeah, I'm fucking buying issue <laughs> two. I mean, it's on my pull. Like I pulled it because I was excited about it, but I, I won't lie and, and don't judge me too hard. But what got me really amped up for this was the David Nakayama. Oh, variant. sure. Yeah. I, I collect, I collect his, I collect his covers and, and I got to interview him before and, and, and like, he's, I, he's just, he's a cool dude and he, he can, man, he can draw. And so I like, I saw that, that team mm -hmm. cover, you know, and I was like, Oh my God, like I have to have yeah, that. That's my phone. And my then phone I kind of learned the past month is David's cover. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> um and and so like that that's what started it but then when i you know like i saw the i saw the image right like because a couple people leaked it or he maybe leaked it or it accidentally got somehow like it got out before the solicit and then when i got within the solicit of like x-men 92 meets the krakoan age meets like house of x and i was like yes <laughs> like duh dumb buying this and then you know so i put it on my poll and but yeah after after issue one like i it, it would boggle my mind if a lot of people read issue one and are like yeah maybe i'll wait <laughs> i'll wait for the trade or i don't know if this is for me because like that that whole deal like i am so and what you even just kind of slipped out of like you know the 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 big bang this the recreation like and and how her powers are going to like you know manipulate this plot that you're building and and these this multiple life cycle ordeal that you're kind of replicating in a new way like um i i got the tingle i got the pd <laughs> tingles man like i i'm i'm pumped like it just sounds so cool. And, you know, I, I love that you have this knowledge of X-Men, both a knowledge and love. Like, I just get a good vibe from you that, like, these are your babies, too. You know, and you don't want to do no wrong. You, you know, you love these characters and you want to do right by them. And, you know, it, you know, you're not you're not just writing X-Men like you're you're in a dream state right now. Yeah. Right. And I think I think that's why this is so good, <laughs> man. Like your your heart and soul and love and blood are like. Like in these pages and they i think that's why it's working well, thank man. You. buzz buzz babies we're taking a little break from that awesome interview you're listening to to talk about an awesome comic shopping experience i've stumbled across let me tell you about
out gagescomicpages.com. This is a family-owned mom-and-pop type shop, but they're all online. The Gage family is putting themselves out there and putting in the work so that people who don't have a local comic book shop can still get comics every week. These are good people. They ship quickly and securely, and shipping's free if you spend over $10. Basically, if you buy three or more comics, shipping's free. And what's better than that? If you use the code BLAKESBUZZ, you get 10% off your first order. And if you want to pre-order something or make special requests, sending a message through their website is super easy. They can even make you a pull list. The Gages are great people with a great shop and a great outlook on nerd life, and I highly encourage you to check them out. Again, that's gagescomicpages.com. Every time I, I get an opportunity like this, I try to leave it all on the table because, you know, I don't know that I'll get a chance to do more. So if this is my one chance to say something about the X-Men and, and pay tribute to this franchise that has meant so much to me my entire life, like I am going to give it 150%. And, you know, that's why Salva ended up drawing 150 different characters. So it was like, <laughs> yeah, like, let's get Sienna Blaze. Like, let's get, like, let's get everybody in here. Um, and I, I'm glad that the response so far has been cool and, and has enjoyed and, and felt that love on the page because yeah it's not just any any old gig to me this is really a chance to to pay tribute to uh, multiple iterations of of a franchise that has meant so much to me um and it's tough too because you know x-men fans are um mean in, let's 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 use the word <laughs> let's use the word intense you know passionate okay passionate. <laughs> x-men fans are passionate and it was funny too because even when the the first uh preview went out there's a line in the preview where gene says that um you know the station has psychic blockers and she has to strain to, to hear um beast and there were fan accounts that were mad because they're like gene shouldn't have to strain to hear anybody blah 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 and it's like Okay, you know, this is story. Like, I don't know. What, I don't know how to explain to you that like characters have to be challenged in a story. <laughs> like, I couldn't. Right? I couldn't just yeah. write your favorite. Everyone's favorite character comes on onto the page. Uh, they show off their powers. It's cool. They face no obstacles, and the issue is over. <laughs> like, you, you got to <laughs> kind of put people through their paces a little bit. Um, but it's it's been so fun to to orchestrate and to to play with these characters and to get to hear all the voice actors voices in my head as as, as i'm writing this dialogue um especially for this you know these characters have grown and changed over decades but when i'm writing x-men 92 i'm hearing lenore zahn i'm hearing you know cal yeah. god like that's the voice in my head um because that that was the character to me as a kid and still is to some extent dude after after I read this, like, and it's been like, even today too, like, I, it's like, I, I'll like be cooking or something and I'm just in the kitchen, like, but I've just been like, get the vibes just hit me hard, man. And, and like, I haven't been able to get the theme song out of my head. And I, I, I really want to like, I kind of want to go back and like watch it. Cause I haven't, I haven't watched it. I've wanted to do a whole oh, yeah. watch through. Cause I, I mean, I don't. I know I probably watched them all as a kid and I watched a handful of them when Disney plus launched. Um, but I would really like to like just beginning to end. Just, I did like, that a couple of years ago. I, I, I got all the DVDs like a decade ago and I, I broke that out and I, I rewatched Batman, the animated series start to finish. And I rewatched X-Men animated series start to finish and both were super rewarding. And um, for this specifically, you know, I went back and, and went through a couple of key episodes just to get like to remind myself of the feel of the characters and you know mm -hmm. the the tenor of the dialogue and and some specific plot stuff 
Um, and also, before I wrote the first issue, I did play the theme song on my phone to like, like jazz myself out, <laughs> like I'm about to go into a boxing match. I was like, okay, I got, let me, let me feel the vibe. Let me get into this. And then I just sit there for hours typing. <laughs> it's so, I'm, I love that you mentioned Batman the Animated Series because that's also a, a big deal from my childhood. Um, I used to watch that with my grandpa, like after school, my, I went to private school because my dad, my parents, my mom's family was very religious. And my dad made a promise to my mom's mom, my grandma, uh, that when they got married, he was like, Hey, I'll, I'll put our kids in Catholic school. You know, like I will do that for you and your daughter. And like, you know, like, and I was like, I, it was cool, I guess. Like I have, I have great friends and still talk to people I went to kindergarten with, which is rare. Apparently. I certainly like, don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, after school like my dad worked you know a couple jobs and and my mom worked late at a bank and then sprint and then so i would go to my grandparents house after school and i would like every day like with my grandpa we would watch batman the animated series reruns on tv and so like that i was i just loved it and then when they released that blu-ray set i bought it and like watching it in hd and the audio was better and like <laughs> and it's it's still it's still like holds up it's oh, great yeah. like the animation's beautiful the the acting's great the voice acting's awesome and um here's what here and, and i'm just gonna throw this out <laughs> into the internet and i'm gonna i'm i'm mad where the fuck is our x-men animated series blu-ray box set like why hasn't this happened like it it should happen like you mentioned you there's that there's the beautiful coffee table mm -hmm. x-men animated series book um like, you gotta buy dvds man <laughs> dvds scratch you got to be all careful and shit with DVDs when you buy them. Like Blu-rays, you can throw them across the room and skip it on rocks and you can just wipe the scratch off of it. They have that like weird anti-scratch coating. Uh, I, ha I have the um, I have the old Ninja Turtles uh, series collection oh, that comes in the turtle van. And and it, I'm scared to like take the DVDs are just sitting in this van. Like there's all these little ribs that they sit in there, and it's like, man, you like you take one out, it scratches. And I'm like, oh no, son. And, and that didn't that came out before the age of digital codes, right? So like, it's not like I have digital digital. I was codes saying that's that. not even streaming yeah, anywhere, I, is it? Have they plopped no, that on Paramount yeah. Plus or anything? I, I oh, haven't geez. checked Par Paramount. I, yeah, but that's they should they should do that. But those and those don't hold up as well. Like you got to really love the Ninja Turtles to like watch those because I'm I watched a few and I was just like, what the hell, man? Like it's I mean Cheese City, like more cheese that's on any pizza ever made. Um, but you know, like that it, it touches your yeah. heart, you know that nostalgia bit too. So that's what kind of saves it. But yeah, it legit boggles my mind that and i sometimes wonder if it's like a disney plus conspiracy because there are so many people <laughs> i wasn't the only one when people were thinking about dropping disney plus and picking it back up again like when marvel dropped because there were many months with no new content and everybody so many people said like i'm keeping it because i'm watching <laughs> x-men and i was like i was like man is this a conspiracy like we'll never get a blu-ray set so that we all keep our disney plus subscription appeal which now is <laughs> but yeah i, I want one so bad man i like so bad I, I like with the batman one came with like the little that came with the little funkos and then the batman beyond came with the special chrome oh, funko yeah. and i bought that too and so i was like like give like i'll, I'll, I'll drop 150 bucks <laughs> on it right now 
Like, give me like a set of like the original five, like special edition Funkos you can't get anywhere else. And like, give me like a little, a little booklet that talks about <laughs> stuff and, and all the seasons. I would, I'd spend 150 bucks on it. Like, well, in a I'd heartbeat. spend that on all those VHS toys that you mentioned earlier in the episode, the cell shaded <laughs> ones in the VHS cases. I've pre ordered. I oh, bought everyone. I told my boyfriend, I was like, I really oh. should have just stopped at Jubilee because now I, I feel like a sunk cost fallacy. Like I, I've gotten, it's like, okay, well I'll get sinister. It's sinister. Oh, well you got to get storm. It's oh well I've gotten four. I might as well get Jean gray. So, you know, cut to me having like 30 of these in a couple of years. Yeah. I keep wondering how many they're So like right now it's, it's Wolverine, Jean, Jubilee, sinister yeah, and storm, and right? That's sinister, all the I feel right like now? is the real tell though. Cause if he's the third figure in the line, that line's going to last a while. <laughs> Like you, yeah. you don't get yeah, the sinister keep, third unless this. you have a plan to like do this for quite some time. <laughs> yeah, I started buying the. Um, I have a handful of the legends figures, so like I have um, I have a, I have a couple storms in the the black and white outfit, and then I bought the Nimrod set, um, with the the three oh, the triple yeah, yeah. set with uh, God, he I always forget his name. He's not a G.I. Joe, but he looks like a G.I. Joe. Um, Morrison made him. Oh, Phantom X. Uh, yeah. Phantom X, yes. Like, God, man, I'm <laughs> such a terrible podcast. I'm gonna edit that out and no, we'll I, I think that didn't keep, happen. Keep in using Phantom X looks like a G.I. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh and then and then it came with and the Psylocke, um, right? The, yeah. the Psylocke, yeah, but in, in the non-traditional yes. outfit. And so like I got I got that, and I've been buying like the, the cases, the like I like the sets and the box art and um but man i i want the original x-men and so like beast is cost like a million dollars online even if you buy them out of the box and so it's just like i'm like well i'm never going to complete this set now and now i'm like i could get these vhs <laughs> ones and like start but i'm just like i'm like man I, like i'm just i'm running out of room like uh like uh, there's there's books everywhere like if that the corner behind me is all the old new 52 dc figures that i've hung on the wall because <laughs> i didn't know what to do with them uh because I was, I was buying those for a while and and so you know i got um and i've got like original art and stuff i have to frame and i'm just I'm like where am i gonna put all yeah, this stuff my, and so yeah I, I really want them though man they're so cool and i love the yeah packaging. my rule was um so i stopped toys for the most part years ago uh just for space concerns and living in new york and everything else but my rule was like okay for each project i do i can treat myself to something so i have like a, a spider ham toy on my desk at all times and the, you know jubilee and wolverine but my mistake was to keep going because <laughs> otherwise i i was down to um dazzler i had a, a, the dazzler marvel legends on like the retro packaging my friend made me a custom emma frost which like is the exact frank quietly costume and then uh another oh, pal wow. got me a little north star so i was like okay i just have my little gay corner of marvel legends icons <laughs> and uh now apparently the vhs corner is going to be rising well, you, you mentioned you mentioned that you know you you've had you've had your artist draw like 150 of these characters. So I mean that's that's uh, that's 150 oh, more figures that you're allowed to buy now. So, so I've <laughs> now my 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 money for writing X Men has gone into buying X Men toys. <laughs> yeah, just just like just like sign the checks back over to him. Be like, send me those figures to see what they come out. <laughs> do you those so those new figures because the packaging is so great or, or any any of your figures are, are you uh do you take them out of the box and and we don't play <laughs> with our figures right we 
we we pose them as collectible figures for a display purpose, right? That makes us feel comfortable yes. and, and and you know, or or do you do you leave them in the box? And, Nor- and like Normally, I take them out. I left Dazzler in because she's on the retro packaging, but. Every, every day when mm. I pass her, I'm like, I would really like to pose you. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just look at, I just look at her sometimes. I'm like, I would really like to pose you, like making your little shooty finger sign at something. <laughs> so we'll see. You know, it's 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 up in the air if she remains in the clamshell forever. That's funny. Yeah, I so like I used to swear that I would never buy Funkos, and I did. I have a bunch of Funkos <laughs> now, and uh, <laughs> but I I never when I started buying them, I didn't know that they like went out of print yeah. technically i didn't know like that some of them sell for fucking hundreds of dollars uh so like i just thought they were like little dumb eight dollar <laughs> toys right so i was like i would i never kept any of the boxes i threw the boxes away and stuff and and now i'm like oops i don't think i have any that are worth like crazy money but recently i am obsessed with with uh grogu right oh, baby sure. yoda like him him and him and i are we're, we're, we're space bros <laughs> and i i i spent like i did the payment plan for sideshow and bought like the replica full-size uh, movie replica grogu and paid like 55 bucks a month for a few months to get it and and like he's amazing and so then i was like i was like hey, i'm gonna I'm going to calm down on Funkos. I'm just going to buy the Funkos that Grogu is part of. He's in like 30, 30 of them. There's 30 or 40. They keep putting new ones out. And uh, and then I got like, I got like the big like 10 inch Grogu and his ears stick out like this far. He's massive. And like, I'm just, so yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm just like, it's so, I don't make a lot of money and I keep finding things to buy where i'm like oh yeah we could collect this you know oh okay and like i said like now i you know like i'm into manga now and i i bought the uh, demon slayer box set that was 180 bucks man and like but it's so pretty (laughs) and all the books fit in the box and it's like oh it's got a little handle like I'm never going to carry it anywhere i'm never going to just be like walking around town with my demon slayer box set but like it's so cool and it came with a cool poster and i love that it's it's so there's i love that culture and that you know it's similar to comic books but it's it's more you know it's it's, it's more like the visual spectacle For manga you know there's less, less dialogue yeah. yeah yeah it's just it, there's you know there there's dialogue and storytelling but it just moves faster you know like it it's uh you, you would think like those trades you could almost read like you know one of those manga volumes in the time it takes you to read like a couple issues they just like they just kind of fly and and i love it it's it's interesting and um and it's just a new like a new adventure to me and, and there's so much out there. Right. And so like it, it gets intense. Cause like people are like, Oh, you like manga? Just like, just like comic books. Like, Oh yeah. I read this X-Men comic book the other day. Do you, do you know any good X-Men comics? And you're like, boy, boy, do I, sir sit down and get a beer. Cause we're going to talk for a while and drain your bank account, buddy. Like, so it's just, it's so fun. And, but yeah, it's, it's everything that we have is, is, you know, we, that collector mentality, uh, filling up bookshelves, I like digital stuff. I'm a comic reviewer. I read a lot of digital things because of that. But like, I still like, I'm, I'm bad about it. Like you put out a nice hardcover. I want it. <laughs> you know, you, you, those new omnibuses. I want I'm them. actually all like, digital. I've been, and it's kind of, it's rare whoa. to hear. I know it's rare, rare to hear a creator say that. And, um, you know, any shops listening, I love you and I support you <laughs> when I can. And, <laughs> but, um, living in New York just really forced me to oh, place yeah. a premium on space. And, um, 
actually, so I started reading digitally. Um, I, a, oh my God. It's like seven years ago now. I went to Japan for about a month by myself and um, I needed, Whoa. it was amazing. Yes. It was like the best time, but um, I, I knew I needed reading material and I didn't want to lug books around with me. So I got an iPad mini and mm. I finally bit the bullet on comiXology, um, which I had really resisted. I had been like print only for a long time. Um, but I, I never really looked back except for, I do like to treat myself to nice hardcovers of like runs. I feel especially close to. So like I have the new yeah. X-Men hardcover omnibus. I have the ecstatics omnibus, um, stuff like that. Like I really want to, and I can only do prose physically. I could not read a prose book on a screen. Yeah. It bothers me. I just can't tablet. do it. I'm yeah. I, like I, it's weird. Cause like I can read some like, 20,000 word, you know, Esquire article or whatever on, on my iPad, but I absolutely cannot read even a short story on my iPad. Like I got to I got to have a book <laughs> for that. Um, but yeah, I'm all digital. And um, so tomorrow I'll be making a, a hike to the local comic store to pick up X-Men 92. But it's like one of the rare times I, I go to pick up a, a monthly comic actually, because otherwise I'm all digital. Are you like super, super excited to like walk into a shop and see your book on I'm the shelf? I'm nervous uh, that they won't have it, <laughs> but they probably <laughs> will. Um, and it'll be humbling if they don't, um, but they, you know, they probably will. And I'm going to go in nice and incognito and, and just buy it and not talk to anybody and then go sit in my car and flip through it and cry. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would be like I would be the guy who's like hanging out at the shop all day that day right like I would take off work and I would just like I just kind of stand by and like flipping through and like people that walk by I'd be like this is cool oh man like man oh this is, a, this is only three dollars three ninety nine what a deal this is amazing so my boyfriend you know? and I moved in January and um, his mom was here when we were like checking out places and we went to the comic shop and she's like, do they have your books here? And I was like, yeah, they have, you know, Ham and Party and Pray and Rainbow Bridge, but, you know, shh, don't say anything. So she grabs all three of them. And when I'm not looking, she goes over to the cashier and is like, he wrote these, <laughs> like points me out. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to die. <laughs> like, I'm going to die right here. I'm going <laughs> to ascend to the heavens uh, out of embarrassment. But they were very polite, and I'll be signing there next month for free comic book day. So there you go. <laughs> That's cool. And I, I, I told you I was going to bring this up, and it's a good segue because you, you, you mentioned it. Rainbow Bridge. Ooh, I lost it. Oh my god, I lost it. So I've had two English mastiffs in, in my life, and and they are wonderful dogs, but they're so big, and they just they big dogs don't last as long, you know. Like things happen. And Hercules was my last one. And I brought him home. He weighed 18 pounds. And when he was healthy, he was 223 pounds. Oh he was a monster. God. But he was, I mean, he was like 223 pounds of just slobber <laughs> and love. And his his tail, like he would his tail he his tail would wag so fast and he was so big, right? His tail would like not just knock a glass over, but like fling it across <laughs> the room. If it like hits my 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 friends like he was right at like average nut level and sometimes his tail would just like whip you in the balls and like and drop you like just be like Boom. and it was like it was like funny it was like oh her got you <laughs> and uh and it, he would he would do this thing where he would like put your arm in, in his mouth like your whole forearm and he wouldn't bite down but i was i, I read online it's like yeah. a trust deal like he's showing you that like he loves you but like people that came over they'd be like uh because it's like 200 pound dog has your whole arm in his mouth and, and all he's doing is like gumming you and like and <laughs> drooling on you but yeah so 
but so he was such he was such a cool dog man and and we he had knee problems and so we always thought that was what we were going to deal with but one like he was seven years old and his kidneys Aww. shut down and it was just like it was that was it and like that, oh man, that messed me up. I was, I was in a bad place and, uh, it was like, you know, losing your family basically. And, um, yeah, reading that, uh, reading that book, I just like ugly <laughs> cried. And I was just like, what I wouldn't give for like one more dumb adventure, you know, or, or just to, just to walk around the backyard with him and just, or just like, see how he's doing, you know, like it just like. God, and I'd never heard of that poem before. That was a totally new deal for me. Like I'd, I'd never heard of it. And so like, I've, I, I, it was just so beautiful. And, and now my, I have this, this little pit bull that I found in the street eight years ago or almost 10 years ago, actually. And, and she's got cancer and it was, it was crazy, man. Like her, she had these nerve issues and like scoliosis. And so this all started, we thought, um, you know, we, we were like, we're going to have to get her a wheelchair. We we're like, we're going to try to get her wheels and like help her. And we thought it was like a physical thing, you know, like, um, and, uh, I, I did a GoFundMe and tried to raise like $700 and I raised like $2,000 in like a couple days. It, like it was insane. Like comic pros and like people that came on my show and read my reviews. Like it, it was like my, my friend told me, that she was like, I know you get down and think that like you don't matter and like people don't like you, but she was like, people fucking love you. And the next time you think like that, remember this. And it was just like, it, it just got me, man. It was like a very emotional deal. And so we got her, man, we got her these wheelchair and I was like trying to, trying to get her in it and then getting her in and out of the wheelchair, we found this like lump on her belly. And then, and then it's been, a, it's, she's had mostly good days, but it's been intense. And like, and I, I, I've thought about the rainbow bridge and the poem and that story and how, like, you know, I, it's just, it's been crazy. And so I just knew I, I told my, my sister, it's been hitting my sister real hard too. And I, I told her about this book and then I was going to interview and she was like, Oh, that's so cool. And I, I was like, I was like, I know. I was like, I, I was like, we're going to talk about X-Men and I'm going to mention it and I'm not going to cry on air. Like that was my only <laughs> goal for tonight. Talk about X-Men mention this mention just how like, and I told Steve the same thing when we talked it just like, it, I really appreciated it. And uh, even as an older person, uh, and, and I can't imagine how helpful that would be with, with children that lose a pet. Cause that's a totally different, you know, some, some that's sometimes that's like your first you experience know, with go death. With death. Yeah. And, and so like, I just think it's so cool that, that you guys did that, uh, and did it so well and made it so fun. And it, and even though like, it's very emotional and intense, like, you know, once he gets into like the dog heaven place and, and all that, and it just, it was so cool. And, and I'm, I'm so appreciative of all ages comics because, like I, I make jokes where it's like, you know, oh, you get them young, you know, reel them in young, like, like a, like a, like a cigarette <laughs> company, you know, but like, but like, this is like healthy and good. Um, but you know, we need that. We need, we need, you know, you, you want to get readers and, and when their imagination is more active and when they're more like malleable and, and life hasn't like broken them into pieces yet. Right. And like show them comics then and show them how graphic novels can like, make you feel and experience and teach you things right and then and then keep them like let them grow with with the you know more diverse narratives with you know more intense stories and like 
you know, like I was, I, I fell off, right. I, I, in like high school and stuff, I wasn't into it. Cause I just wanted to like smoke weed and be an <laughs> asshole all the time. And, and, you know, like I, I didn't want to like do anything but party. And then like, and then college, I got back into it. And that's when I started like collecting and stuff again, when the first, like the Marvel movies were coming out and then the Avengers came out and it was just this whole crazy deal. But yeah, I just really uh, appreciated that graphic novel and I was lucky enough to get to read it because uh, I'm on Aftershock's press list and and I read it and it just like, oh man, just a guy. Like, I don't, I don't get like in my field. Yeah, I mean, you, you had me, you know, like, like I, I was about to lose it a minute ago. It's, it's, it is really <laughs> tough to talk about. And w- one of the things Steve Orlando and I did not anticipate was when we've done interviews and, and when we've talked to people about the book is you know, people share their animal stories. And I am like, I am so delicate when it comes to that stuff. Like I I will read about like a senior chihuahua passing away on Instagram and I'll be sad about it for a month. So, um, you know, I I did not anticipate, I was like, okay, well we're doing these interviews to promote rainbow bridge and I'm having to like not cry (laughs) during all of these. (laughs) Um, and actually, so when we approved the final lettering pass, he was at the vet because his dog was having, um, Um, back issues and he's doing okay now and i was at the vet because mine was going under for pretty um extensive dental stuff um and she's doing great now too but we're both sitting at vets waiting to hear about our dogs as we're reading back our final pass of our book about you know a dog afterlife and i was like i I cannot do this (laughs) this is terrible timing why is this happening (laughs) um but no i mean it's it was a I think, you know, what you said earlier about uh, for younger readers or adults, the thing about pets and about animals is it can turn a 90 year old into a nine year old, you know, like you're kind of like vulnerable mm-hmm. with that your whole life. And um, yeah, so that was that was a book that was very important uh, to get to tell. And I hope we get to do more in that world someday. But if we if, if it's just the one, you know, very, very proud of the one we got to do. Yeah, it was cool. And, and I love Aftershock. Aftershock does some really great stuff. And and it was funny when I was talking to Steve about it. And Steve was Steve was basically like, I like I was just there like Steve Fox did everything. <laughs> I don't know. He was like, I don't even know why my name. Yeah. He's being too kind there. But it was funny because, you know, we also did Party and Pray with Aftershock and we wrote those at the same time. And Party and Pray is a, an adult, like gay thriller, um, you know, it's very graphic. And so and we actually alternated chapters. So we would do a chapter of Rainbow Bridge, which is this, you know, all ages adventure about one one more <laughs> trip with your, your best friend. And then, then we would do our like sex violence thriller for a chapter. And then we go back. <laughs> and forth uh so it's zany that we chose to do it that way but uh, really nice of aftershock to sign us up for such different projects at the same time how did how did you guys like come together and decide to work together? well i first met steve when i was at paste magazine um so i i had um contributed to them and then i ran the comic section for a couple of years while it still existed and um, i interviewed steve about midnighter and virgil um, and we stayed in touch and just got closer over the years. And uh, I had been doing mostly licensed kids work. I've done stuff for like Pokemon and Super Mario and My Little Pony and everything else. But I had wanted to do more and more comic work. And around the same time that I was starting to finally get some of those opportunities like Spider-Ham and um, a, a big first, second contract I have that hasn't been fully announced yet, um, Steve wanted to do something in the all-ages realm, and he didn't feel like he had a lot of direct experience, so that's how we ended up collaborating on Rainbow Bridge. Okay. And around the same time, we started talking about doing something more adult and, and more horrific, 
And, you know, Aftershock happened to want to do both at the same time. So not, not a lot of publishers would sign you up for such different books within a couple months of each other. Um, but we were really mm-hmm. grateful to get to work with Aftershock and, and do both of those. And Steve and I have other projects coming up. Um, you know, obviously he's very prolific on his own. I stay very busy on my own, um, but we're good friends. Uh, we're rooming together this weekend for a signing. And um, we have a, at least one more book in the near future coming up from the both of us. Nice. So I need to stay in touch with Steve so that I can write a comment with him one day. <laughs> yes, we, that's we how it works. We hit it off. We hit it off in, in, in our interview. <laughs> he, he was talking about how he, he missed Kansas City because he, he, he said he can't. You can't. Get I was gonna, he like loves that. the barbecue yeah, yeah. and everything else. Yeah. yeah. Well, Steve is really great about paying it forward and, and co-writing with other people and, and trying to put put other people ahead in the industry. Um, because a lot of the industry, and it's this is not a negative, but it is about like knowing the right people and getting the right introduction. And I think one of the good yeah. things you can do once you get your foot in the door is try to open that door for other people. And, and Steve has definitely lived that um, throughout his career. Yeah. He's, I, well, you both seem like really, really great dudes. Like I, I've, I very much enjoyed talking to both of you. I like, I, it, it, I get nervous sometimes because I talk to a lot of indie, indie writers and creatives, you know, and it's, it's a whole different world when you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm talking to the new X-Men writers tonight, you know, and he's, he's kicking off Marauder, Marauders and, and you're, you're, you're back on X-Men 92 and, and, you know, like, and I, you're very humble about it, but like X-Men 92 is so important to so many people. And I really hope your sales reflect that because it, and it well, deserves you. like 110%. Yeah, I have, I have it's a great completely comic, disassociated for my own sanity. <laughs> I'm just like, I wrote this for me. I will not be reacting. I will not be looking. And I wish everyone the best. <laughs> that's, that's kind of a, that's been my, my coping mechanism. But uh, no, I mean, I, I really do hope people enjoy it. It's, it's been such a fun thing to do. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to have other stuff coming up that I can't talk about quite yet. Um, but but 92 uh, hopefully will introduce a lot of people to me. And, and I also have Archer and Armstrong forever coming up next month. Um, oh, that's right. With yeah, Valiant. that's yeah. been an amazing experience. I'm, I'm really excited to have those launching within a month of each other because, you know, X-Men 92 is is very emblematic of me in a lot of ways, but I'm also adapting someone else's work in some ways. So to get to have Archer and Armstrong come up a month later where you can really see like, okay, if Steve Fox gets to do an action adventure story and, and the premise is wide open, this is what he does. So I'm lucky to have that one-two punch timing going on. Now, I'm not sure if you can talk about it, but uh, Steve tagged you in a post on Twitter. <laughs> It, I didn't. I didn't know if it was real or no, a joke. Steve is very deadpan, <laughs> and he loves to to put me on blast for stuff like this. I am not producing the Spirit Halloween movie. <laughs> Would I love to be involved with the Spirit Halloween movie? Absolutely. If anyone is listening and can get me involved with that film, sign me up. But for the foreseeable future, I am not producing any Hollywood productions. <laughs> That fucker. I'm gonna yeah, that's, get, that's not a feather I've added to my cap just I was like, yet. I was like, I was like, I'm going to tell him, be like, you know, that was like a talking point that I put in my notebook. <laughs> yeah, listen, I mean, I do kids comics. I do kids books. I, I edit adult stuff. I write adult stuff. I do not, as of yet, produce horror movies. <laughs> haven't haven't ventured into, into Hollywood yet? I mean, <laughs> hey, give me time, but it's it's not on the gold board just yet. <laughs> that's funny. Because, yeah, I, I, is it going to be, is it even a real movie? I think movie, it's a real movie. This is like an inside no, joke. I, I think oh, okay. it's really happening, and I would love to be involved but as of now i am not 
Yeah, it reminded me of the uh, the Goosebump book with the the haunted mask. Oh yeah, like when the when she like and then they they had those Goosebump animated series, and that was like that was one of the better episodes. Like those were real hit and miss, uh, but the the haunted mask episode was real solid. And so I was just like, I saw that, and then I was like, I was like, man, this this guy is like, I was like, I'm thinking like Goosebumps. <laughs> I'm thinking I'm thinking X Men '92. I was like, this guy is just plucking all my all young Blake's well, heartstrings. And I like, can't. I, so oh no, it has. <laughs> been announced i'm doing a series for for a second um of like spooky like non-fictiony comics so they're like it's oh, cool it's true weird stories for kids so it's very much like a goosebumped vibe um so that that is okay. a realm i work in so again spirit halloween production company give me a call <laughs> yeah holler, holler yeah, at Steve. I'm he's ready, ready for you i'm ready <laughs> what's um what's a dream i mean you're already working on x-men right like so I, one of your dreams is already happening uh but like what is a property that just like 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 you may have a heart attack <laughs> if they gave it to you like you, like what's something that like you would you would borderline murder to like <laughs> to work on and have your I name mean, on i'm not cover. trying to be funny it really was x-men 92 like i i feel extremely nice. spoiled and grateful because I, I could not have, if you had asked me like, you know, imagine your perfect project. I don't know that I even could have come up with nineties X-Men meets the Krakoa era. Like it's just so, <laughs> so special for me. Um, but beyond that, I, I will say, so my 2022 professional goal was to do something in canon for a, a major superhero universe. And I have turned in my first in continuity work. I can't say what it is yet, but Ooh. that's coming down the pipeline. I'm really excited about that. Uh, a lot of my other goals, honestly, are just to tell my own stories. Like I would love to work on so many properties. Um, Animal Man is a big one for me. That was very impactful mm. for me as a younger reader. Swamp Thing, um, you know, Blade. Like there's so many things that I would love to ghostwriter. But also a lot of those properties are currently in really good hands and I respect yeah. those creators so much and I'm so excited about what they're doing. I try personally never to set goals that rely on things out of my control. So like, it's ultimately hmm. not up to me if I ever get to write Batman. Would I? Yeah, sure. Give me a call. Like, <laughs> Would I write Spider-Man? Yeah, <laughs> give me a call. But it, I, I don't want to base my goals on something I can't make happen on my own. Yeah. So a lot of my goals are just to tell my own stories. I really respect creators who do original books, who get out there and, and put their stamp on things. Um, you know, I work closely with James Tynan. I'm his editor on Department of Truth, and we did Razor Blades together. And seeing what he's oh, wow. done with Department of Truth, seeing what he's done with Something is Killing the Children, uh, Wind, everything else, you know, that's very inspiring to me. So I have a creator-owned horror story um, in the works at a publisher that I can't announce yet, but that's going to be coming out in the spring. And I really just hope to, to kind of pick up speed on doing more originals and to... Make sure that people know, like, if you pick up a book that says Steve Fox, this is what you're going to get, um, which I think, you know, it will help filter back in to get to do more of these properties. And if it does, that's awesome. If it doesn't, I'll keep on telling my own books. That's cool. What do you, what's, what do you like better? Cause you've, you've done some anthology work. You've done original graphic novels. You're now, uh, you're now on Marvel deadlines, right? Dealing with that. Um, what, what stresses you out more and what's easier? <laughs> like, is, is like, is like, a, you know, but I, I mean, is like releasing an original graphic novel is, as a writer, like, is that a little easier just to like, to crank that out and then have your editors look at it and, and make some changes and, and then pass it off to the artist. Whereas like, 
as opposed to like the monthly deadlines that you're that you're you know dealing with now i mean i honestly both things have their benefit and i i really appreciate having set deadlines because it helps keep me organized i will say the only Mm. thing i absolutely hate and it's only happened on one project and it'll never happen again is to be doing a a series without a firm plan for where it's going to go and how Mm -hmm. it's going to end i did um one i mean i'm trying hard not to like expose what it is it's nothing we talked about today but (laughs) and i and i look in the end i really like the book but i did something where each chapter we were kind of figuring it out as we go as we went and that to me was a nightmare um i like Mm. to know more or less where I'm going to end when I start something. And that's been the case with X-Men 92. It's been the case with Archer and Armstrong, where and Archer and Armstrong is a fun example because, you know, we can keep going if sales are good, but I also know how the story is eventually going to end, which is what Jonathan Hickman talked about with Krakoa. You know, there's so much chatter around him choosing to step off when he has, but he knew when he was going to deploy his parachute. Mm-hmm. And I think that is such a great way to tell stories. Um, and the, they, of course, change as you go. X-Men 92 is not exactly what I pitched initially. Things I've adapted and um, you know pivoted as stories opened themselves up to me, as, as opportunities um, made themselves apparent. But I really like a roadmap. Um, whether that's writing an original graphic novel and I've, I write 200 pages before you know a single page gets drawn, or it's a monthly deadline where I'm going at the pace of the artist, but at least I know where I'm going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I could see, I could see how that would be odd and stressful, like not, not well, and also just the idea of like. Like, are they going to let me finish? Because I know like a lot of, especially with like pirating and stuff, you know, there's been a lot of, you know, prematurely ended series that weren't producing the numbers for whatever reason, pirating or just didn't get released at the right time or delays and stuff. And I just, you know, it, I can't imagine, um, you know, how that would, you know, to have like the rug pulled out from under you. Yeah. Kinda, like, I feel like that would just and be not scary. That would, and, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen to me on anything I'm currently doing. But on the thing I'm talking about, you know, I knew pretty well that I was going to get the amount of story that I got. It was just a matter of like, okay, I'm introducing XYZ in issue one, and we have this understanding, and then in issue two, your understanding of it's changing, and now the story's changing, and it can start to feel like a puzzle, and uh, I don't like puzzles. <laughs> I'm not good with puzzles. You're, you're not going to catch me playing Tetris while I'm in line at the DMV. Like, that's not that's not my ballgame. I'm, I'm not a Wordle guy, <laughs> so uh, th- that's the only part, that's the only thing that really stresses me out, and thankfully, that has not been my experience anything recently and, and even the thing i'm talking about um you know we got to do more and that time we, we had a much firmer plan in place so well man i i just uh, i'm excited uh i really like your writing um whether you're making me you know cry <laughs> or you know just just like in the fetal position like sobbing on this book i just spent 20 dollars for it. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't that bad but i was i was fucking yeah, we, crying we, man we wanted like, to pluck some heartstrings <laughs> uh and 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 or just you know being excited about x-men again in, in a different way and and wanting to like reschedule interviews <laughs> and not and not read review comics and just like hide in my cave and and watch the animated <laughs> the x-men animated series from beginning to end and just just 
you know, like that, cause that's honestly like, that's how issue one felt. I was like, well, I'm not, I have to wait. Like I have to wait the long month for issue two. So like, well, how am I going to get my fix? I just read the other X-Men 92 issues. Like, uh, so yeah, it's, um, there's, there's so much heart and charm in your comics and, and there's a lot of heart and charm in your person. I feel you're, you're a great interview. I had a blast chatting you. with you. I, did too. I never know how these are going to go. Like I've, I've lucked out so much. I've never had someone who was just like, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. This one comes out next month, and then yeah, okay. You know, like I, I've gotten so lucky in who I've talked to, but I, I keep, I keep waiting <laughs> for that to happen. You know, but I'm pretty good. Like, I mean, I, all I do in my day job is I talk to people. I talk to nervous home buyers and realtors and set up home inspections. And before that, I worked in a bar for eight years, and I was a, I was a bouncer in a bar back, and so like I was, I kissed the right ass because for tip money, right? Like I was like. And, and so it's all I ever do is talk to people. And so that my, my buddy says, that's why my interviews are good. Just cause like, I just kind of talk and, and some of my friends are always like, uh, when I interviewed, uh, when I interviewed Steve, I, 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 I we keep talking about him, uh, yeah, but I, uh, I told, I told people, I was like, I'm interviewing an X-Men writer. They were like, what? They are like, what are you going to ask him? I was like, I don't know. I was like, I don't like questions. <laughs> Everybody's like, everybody like, wait, what? And I was like, no, I don't. I was like, those are boring. Like I, I read, I read your stuff. If I, you know, I read your stuff, I, I kiss your ass and, and I, and I kiss it honestly. Like I'm not lying. I very yeah, much very authentic. like, I, I won't, I won't promote a comic that I don't like just to talk to somebody. Um, but you know, like I, I, I just talk and we vibe and, and nerd out and I, and that's what Blake's buzz is about. And now I do this live on Wednesday nights too, which is even <laughs> crazier because you can't edit anything and it gets weird sometimes. And, uh, but you know, I just, I, I'm just good at talking to people and, and I've gotten very, very lucky and, and who's agreed to, to come on my show. And, and I, again, I thank you like so much for, um, you know, you, I didn't even give you much notice. I was just like, Hey, you free next week, bud. Like, uh, but you know, like I, and I just, uh, I, I appreciated you. You gave me the, you gave me the reader copy. You got me excited about X-Men again. Um, I haven't read a new X-Men comic in a while. I am still at, I have not finished the first Hellfire saga and now they've announced a second Hellfire saga. It's a little, a little more manageable this year. <laughs> back to, back to David Nakayama, man. I spent, Oh my God. <laughs> I, his, his Hellfire gala covers. I bought the Virgin copies without the magazine oh, text imagine. on them. So I, oh dude, I think I dropped like I dropped some bones. He, he's <laughs> but so I just, awesome I love though. His... And you know, I'm very glad we got the one cover for him for X Men '92 number one, and he's been so friendly. Like you know, because that ultimately that's a pretty small connection, right? Like he did a variant cover for mm -hmm. one issue of my book, um, but he's been so friendly and he's done so much to boost the book and um, share it with people. And it, it's really nice. The thing about X Men '92 is that all these artists who are getting to contribute to it, it's like a little dream gig for them too. Like everyone I loves bet, yeah. this version of the, the team. So, um, you know, David was so excited to come back and do more. Um, and he, yeah, he's been such a great booster for the book. It's, it's been really cool to see. Yeah. He's a good dude to have. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's, and he's, he's, he's so, talented so talented. And he's so, he posted that one Spider-Man um, image he did again with all the text on it. That was for like how yeah. to read comics in Marvel way. It, his work blows my mind all the time. And we're also really lucky to have David Baldion on the main covers. Like he's done the homages mm -hmm. to the, the um, different Krakoan books. I, I can't wait for people to see the one for issue number five. Um, we had to keep that one under wraps 
especially because it involves Jubilee. So, you know, we were kind of hiding that, but I think people are really going to get a kick out of that one. Uh, I'm surprised more people weren't like, Hey, where's Jubilee? <laughs> Cause she's only, she's only been on, <laughs> on David Nakayama's cover so far. She's otherwise been tucked away. So for, for reasons, reasons <laughs> intentional reasons, I am just, I think it's so cool. Like I'm just excited for more kind of like how, um, like we mentioned with the, the with the main Krakoan age and how like the, the new like boss Emma Frost and boss Kate, like, you know, like these two women developed so much more agency and so much more power in the X mythos. And I feel like this is going to do that for Jubilee. And I really like that. Like Jubilee had a pretty good part in Excalibur and was cool. But like this, I she's she's very like she's this peg in the middle of all this craziness that is her. That's like you know she's she's like the stone in the pond and the ripples are coming out right. Like I'm excited to like to see that agency pay off basically. And and I think I think you got the bones yeah, to do it. Like crossed. I think you're gonna do and well. It's, it's the <laughs> thing is with X Men and especially in an era where anyone can come back to life. There's such an embarrassment of riches, right? Like everyone's got their favorite character. There are literally dozens of characters that can lead books. So you always have people wondering like, oh, why isn't there more so-and-so? Why isn't there more so-and-so? Because even with like 200 pages a month, <laughs> there are so many great characters. So part of the fun of 92 is getting to you know zero in on this cast and this specific set of characters and really try to give them the focus and time. Um, so I hope fans of Jubilee and Jean and Storm and Scott and these other characters do get a kick out of seeing them um, you know, go through this for version of the the storyline yeah I, I mean i can't speak for everybody but i'm really <laughs> excited about it and and i feel like uh you know i i have a, I have a pretty decent you know following and and you know i have pretty good i think people know that like i have decent taste <laughs> in comics i i may not have much else going for me but usually when i tell someone like hey this is a good comic they'll be like okay <laughs> and you know a lot of times that happens with kickstarter and i've got i mean like i've gotten people that were like man like you've like they get mad at me they're like dude i pay this extra money for kickstarter comics because you hype this stuff up and get me excited about it and and this is even easier guys <laughs> You go to a comic book shop and you just buy it right there. Four (laughs) dollars. So yeah, I'm 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 really excited to see how it how it plays out. And again, like you're already getting great reviews. You're you know, and one of them was written by me, so like that's cool. Like, you know, go go Blake, but you deserve it. And and this is an awesome comic. I'm so excited for these five issues. I don't want to wait for them. Like that's how good they are. Like I just don't I want them now. Um and and I again, I I hope with, you know, we we know this new collection's coming out in November. Marvel's re-releasing the the 92 series. Uh you know, we got these new action figures and i know these are different worlds of marvel and they don't always correlate into like what's going to happen but i feel like the marvel brand is excited is still excited and and finding a, a force to that like people want to buy this stuff and and i hope that your comic lands in that both so that you get a ton of money and also <laughs> so that like they i want like i said i want more of these comics like i'm i'm stoked for your five issues but like dude i, I wouldn't be mad if i was buying like steve fox x-men 92 number 24 well, listen, you from, know like from your mouth to, to marvel's ears <laughs> 
<laughs> but it's, yeah, it's it's such a an honor. It's such a pleasure, and it's so much fun. And whether it's five issues or you know it gets to be more or whatever, I'm very grateful for this, and I'm really glad you you dug it. I hope people who listen to this and pick it up dig it. And yeah, I mean, there are only so many so many ways I can say like I'm so lucky to have gotten to do this. But I really do feel <laughs> every time I, I get to do anything on this book, I just feel very lucky and, and very excited. That's cool. Well, I mean, hard work pays off and you're a good writer. So you deserve, you deserve a place on comic book shelves, which you've already, we are, you already know, but you like the X-Men are in good hands, ladies and gentlemen, like listen to Blake's <laughs> buzz. Listen to me. Steve Fox is a good X-Men writer. And these icons from your youth are safe and strong and fun again. And you need to go, this is going to release after, but if you were foolish enough not to pick up X-Men 92, uh, House of 92, which that's what that <laughs> means, by the way, if anybody's dumb as shit like me, if you don't pick up House of 92 on uh, tomorrow's the 13th, if you don't get it on the 13th, this is going to come out later. You listen to this on the way to the comic book shop and get fucking amped about it and buy it. You go drive to the comic shop and pick up this guy because you're going to love it. And then you put, don't just buy it. You put it on your pull list. You tell them, I want all five issues and you'll be happy and and just trust me because i i have a i have a good feeling about this and issue one fucking blew me away and and subscribe to my sub stack where i posted a review on my sub stack and listen to my podcast and watch my live shows and, and now i'm making it all about me <laughs> it's um, I, I got lost a second but i love this comic it was such a great first issue on so many levels like just all the premiere issue struggles you surpass like you spent just enough time in each scene and it wasn't cluttered and you had a you had a large cast but it, it again it, it just it flowed well it was structured well wonderful action art is just draw jaw dropping like a beautiful comic in and out um as the polite I, i've kept you a while and it's getting late and i would love to talk to you forever because you're just a you're just a gym and you're easy to talk to um but the polite podcast host i am this is the part where i say steve where do we find you where's the best place to follow you like on the social medias keep track of all the new comics that you're hopefully going to be coming out that you've that you've teased <laughs> a little bit that may we may learn about in the next few months like where's a good place yeah, you to can find, find me on twitter at steve underscore fox f-o-x-e um, I absolutely hate Twitter, but I have to use it. Um, so you'll see my promotional tweets and some photos of my dog. Uh, and you can also find me at stevefox.com. I keep my website very updated. Uh, and especially for like book market stuff, stuff often gets posted there first because retailers get cover images well before things get announced. So you might find some surprises on there if you, you nose around every few months. Nice. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely, I'm definitely gonna have my nose. I'm gonna bookmark that. Cause I need, I need more, man. I I'm excited uh, to read more of your comics and I'm like, oh, I don't think I've, I mentioned that I'm really excited for house of 92 issue two. Hey God, it's so good, man. Um, Steve, you are awesome, dude. I I'm so glad we got to nerd out. I'm so glad that the X-Men means so much to us and, and that we both get to, you know, like I get to talk to the creators and, and you get to like put your heart and soul into these pages uh and again like everybody just like just get it just get this fucking comic thank book you, so good <laughs> hickman who hickman who i'm sorry, what? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs>